Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. So because it is a Monday episode, we're going to jump right into the podcast with some Texans reactions. We'll start with Rodrigo. So obviously the Texans played a great game yesterday, obviously, but holding the Jaguars to only three points. Deshaun Watson, it won't show up on the stat sheet, but he played a really spectacular game. There are lots of sacks he was evading, lots of plays that he was making that only he could make. It, it wasn't like an absolutely amazing performance, but it's a performance you expect when you have a quarterback of Deshaun Watson's caliber. I thought the defense was really surprising considering J.J. Watt was out for the first time. And also, another surprising part was the offensive line. Getting Titus Howard back really helped. Obviously, Laramie Tunzel was a loss, but it really didn't seem like that much of a loss because I'm pretty sure Sean Watson only got sacked once. So, overall, it was a very good win for the Texans, but now... We really have to focus these the next they have the bye week and then the next three games are crucial. It's at Baltimore. We know how good Baltimore is. We'll get into them in a bit. And then you have Thursday night football, Indianapolis. Whether Jacoby Brissett plays or not, that's an extremely important game. And then you have Sunday night football at home. Tom Brady comes to town. So very impressive win. Still should have gotten that win. It's a win that you should get. It's a win that we did get overall. Good job. But the toughest parts of the season are ahead. And I think the Texans are peaking at the right time. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Well, I thought this game, I think you see why the Texans played so well. The offensive line. The most important unit on the football team. And they played... Very well. Only one sack given up to one of the best pass rushers in the league, Calais Campbell. And I think getting uh, the rookie Titus Howard back, I think he could be a stable on this O-line for a lot of years. He's He is probably a top O-line, like projected to be a top O-lineman, I think, with the way that he's played, stopping a lot of good pass rushers. So, Rodrigo, I don't know if this was our first or second episode, but very early on, um, I asked you, who do the Jaguars have? Why are they going to be good this year? And so I really did not see the players you listed show up. I mean, you listed a lot of guys on offense. I mean, of course, D.D. Westbrook is really, really good. He's probably one of the best younger receivers in the league right now. Um, But really, I didn't see – I don't know if it's – the I don't know if it's Gardner Minshew. I don't know what it is. I really think it is the Jaguars O-line. But I don't see them putting up points and being productive over the last couple of weeks. So although we can throw all this praise onto the Texans for getting what is, again, a crucial on 26-3 win, I feel like we do need to take a step back and look at the Jaguars and say, well, yes, they got a 26-3 win, but this team is – I mean, they're not the Dolphins, but they're not one of the best in the league. I mean, I, I, I think you look at their best playmakers, DJ Chark. He's had an absolutely amazing year. He was almost a non-factor yesterday. Well, they could never get the running game going. So, And such a big part of their offense is feeding Leonard Fournette. He was the top rusher in the AFC coming into this week. And then on defense, obviously the stat before the game, Josh Allen, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, all top 30 in pressures. Obviously, as JW said, the offensive line has vastly improved. So 
Yeah, I mean, the Jaguars aren't the most talented team in the league, but they definitely do have some players, which is why it's not like this is an incredible win, which will be talked about for years to come. It's a very solid win. It's a win that a team that as good as the Texans should have. And yeah, so just good that the Texans won, but not amazing. I thought one part of the game for the Texans that was kind of lackluster that they could improve on was the uh, punting game. Brian Anger only averaged 45 yards per punt, whereas the average for the NFL is around 50. And I think when we go up and face a good team with the field position battle, those five yards are really going to make a crucial difference, which is why I think the Texans should bring Shane Leckler, one of the best punters of all time, out of retirement to come back for the playoff push. So, Rodrigo, earlier you mentioned that um, after the bye week, the Texans have three tough games, two of which are the Ravens and the Patriots. Now, those two teams played last night, and what I'd say was be a surprising win for the for the fo- for football fans. The Ravens went out and they they put it they stuck it to the Patriots and they won by seventeen points, thirty seven to twenty. Well. I think this game was closer than the score represents because I think especially, I mean, obviously the game was close going into the fourth quarter. It was 30-20. But I think the big point of the game where the Ravens really uh, extended their lead was when um, Edelman fumbled. And I think that was really the crucial point of the game because if he doesn't fumble, I think the Patriots go on to score that drive, and I believe they would have the lead there. And I think the you look at the Patriots' offense, it hasn't been superb like in years past, but I think last night it looked pretty good. You had Sanu. I think Sanu made a lot of good plays. I think he, in the coming months, is going to uh, go into 100% with the Patriots. Obviously, he's only been there 10 days, but I think uh, they're going to work with him even more. I think Tom Brady looked actually pretty good throwing the football. I think he's received quite a, a bit of criticism this season for just uh, not going deep, throwing short passes, but I thought he had some really nice balls. The one he threw back shoulder uh, to Deion Lewis, I think, down the side. James White. James White, my bad. But uh, that was a beautiful ball. Earl Thomas was in very good coverage. It was a great Though, ball. The yeah. one critique of his coverage I must make is he was playing a man and then turned inside, which is when you're playing a man, you got to turn outside to look at the guy. But, but I think it was, yeah. it was, it was a great – It was beautiful he, coverage and a beautiful back shoulder It looked ball. like he was able to really throw the ball looking – you know, looking like the Tom Brady we know. But obviously the issue was the Patriots' defense, and they could not stop Lamar Jackson running the ball. That was really the issue. And I think th- this is what's going to happen. Is I think the Patriots, and this is going to be very controversial, I think, are still the best team. And I think the Patriots are the best team because the Patriots, at some point, I think they're going to run against the, the, the Ravens in the playoffs, and they're going to win like they do time and time again because now they have film on Lamar Jackson, and he was the one player that really beat uh, the Patriots. I, I, I think this is just – I don't agree that the Patriots are the best team. I think they kind of got exposed a little bit going against a team that isn't the Jets or the Dolphins or as bad as any of those teams, actually going against a good team. You obviously – Lamar Jackson, I mean – what can you say about this guy that isn't in, like he's been so impressive this year? He doesn't need to be the best pocket passer because he's so dynamic running the ball. But I think one thing to keep in mind is it would not be beyond Bill Belichick when you have this offense that not a lot of people use to not really show his hand in this game and try to maybe 
I'm not saying he tanked the game on purpose, but not reveal everything you have. Kind of let the Ravens show you what they have. So when you inevitably meet in the playoffs, or I mean, probably these are arguably two of the best teams in the AFC, then the Ravens don't have that much information on you, but you know everything about the Ravens' offense. Obviously, again, I don't want to take anything away from the Ravens. It was a really impress- impressive win. Their defense stepped up. Earl Thomas, besides that one you mentioned, Jack, that late interception, really seeing the deal. Yeah. And then my man Orlando Brown carrying Lamar Jackson to the end zone. That was quite impressive. So I think that's definitely a thing to keep in mind. Obviously, praise the Ravens, but don't praise them too much because this might be Bill Belichick playing chess while everyone else is playing chess. And I will say, I think this the reason why this win looks not uh, – it looks it is a very good win by the, by the Ravens, obviously, but I don't think it was as dominant as really what, what it was because if you look at the Patriots' defense, their players individually are already very good. You might have the best corner in the league. You have their, – their secondary is excellent. Uh, they have one of the best linebackers, um, you know, the, the three or four best linebackers, I think, in the league. Uh, and I think really what happened here is the, the Patriots got outcoached, and that's not something you hear often – but they got out coached a little bit. But we know that Belichick does not get out coached when it counts the most. That's why he's so good. That's why the Patriots can respond. Not because they got beat by better like a by a better offense, by better athletes, but they just got out schemed. Um, and I'm not I not sure they got out schemed. I think they got out hit. What the Ravens did so well is they went onto their blocks, they got onto their blocks, they stayed onto their blocks, and they pushed the Patriots front seven backwards. And it opened up huge holes for former States running back um, Mark Ingram, who literally ran all over, all all over the Patriots defense. You can say what you want about Lamar Jackson, and he did have a great game. And I think he did a very good job of staying in the pocket when he needed to and escaping the pocket when he needed to. But Mark Ingram beat Mark Ingram in the front five linemen, and then the tight ends and fullback. Yeah, those fullbacks, they, they were really making the difference yeah, in the no. form running game. They hit – what they did was they hit Bill Belichick and the Patriots in the mouth. And they shocked them. They got out early to a 17 nothing lead. And that was the ending differential, I think. Other than that, the Patriots might have had a good game. And if you take away that first quarter, the Patriots probably win that game. Um, aside from some – costly turnovers at the end of the game, like a fumble and an interception. I think they outplayed the Ravens in quarters two through four. I just think they got destroyed in quarter one. And just one thing before we move on to the next topic, I just want to give John Harbaugh a lot of credit. This is a coach already won a Super Bowl, and he's not really talked about as one of the elite coaches in the NFL, but you look at what he's been able to do adapt his entire team to fit the skills of Lamar Jackson to where his team is now a juggernaut. I think he deserves as much credit as everyone else here. So that's another thing to keep in mind. So we're going to do a new segment this week. It should be a recurring one. It's called Take It or Leave It. Basically, there are 90 seconds, only participants who actually know what they're talking about. And we're going to go through a whole bunch of topics in like rapid succession. And they're going to be hot takes. And we will start our first take it or leave it with this. Take it or leave it. 
Nick Foles is coming back. Will he be the new um start? Will he be the new starter on the Jags, or has Gardner Minshew earned the starting role? I'm going to take it. I think you look at a quarterback in Nick Foles, who has had an incredible record since the 2017 season when he went on that incredible run in the playoffs. And even last season, Carson Wentz goes down. He doesn't lose a game in the regular season. And if not for Alshon Jeffrey dropping the ball, he may go to another NFC championship game. I think Nick Foles is the better quarterback. You paid him for a reason. I think they should stick with Nick Foles. I think you leave it how it is. Gardner Minshew, he might not he, he might not wow you with the arm and stuff, but th- in Jacksonville, they aren't the best team. They don't need a prototypical quarterback. They need a quarterback that can make the magic happen with like the Minshew magic with the mustache. And I think that if they want to win games and be serious this season, they need to use Minshew and just to get the spark going. I'm gonna take. Or I'm gonna leave it. Sorry, I think Gardner Minshew financially is a good addition to have on the Jaguars team. Not necessarily because he's the better quarterback, but it's kind of more of the way he performs and the way he is off the field. Like he gets more attention drawn to the Jaguars field, and that's why I'm saying they should leave it. I'm saying leave it. I think um, with a failing O line, you need a more mobile quarterback, and you need someone who can make plays happen, and not and not kind of. I think Nick Foles. As much as he wasn't, he made some great plays. But I really don't think Nick Foles was as good as we thought he was. I think we stuck him on a team with mediocre players. He did not perform. I think trading Nick Foles and getting rid of his salary and maybe getting some new players back in addition would be great. And then leaving Nick Foles and taking Gardner Minshew. All right, next take it or leave it, and we're going to go to Rodrigo with this one. So the question is, Should will Mitchell Trubisky – be the Bears' starting quarterback at the start of the 2020 season? I'm going to leave this one. I, I hope for the better of the Chicago Bears. Mitchell Trubisky, if you look at all his film, some of the breakdowns, he's not making the right reads that as as he's he's not a rookie quarterback anymore. He's not making the reads that he should as a over-second-year quarterback. And the talent on that team, for the way they're performing, they should not have the record that they should. And they could have gone deep in the playoffs last year. Unfortunately, with the double doink, we all know what happened. But I think they just got to move on from Mitchell Trubisky, and I hope that they do, and I think it's best for the organization. I think you you got to change it. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is one of the worst quarterback, starting quarterback in the league. Five touchdowns through eight games. Just not a very good quarterback, and I think they're going to need to do something because they have one of the best defenses in the league, which can really carry them. I'm saying also they should definitely take it. Or, sorry, they should change quarterbacks. Mitch Trubisky has had one game this season with an over 100 uh, passer rating. He's only thrown five touchdowns in eight games. That's just underperforming, and I think they need to change him out. All right, third take it or leave it subject. And, again, we're going to Rodrigo because he kind of thought of this. So, will Freddie Kitchens be fired before – the season is over, and I am going to take it. I think this is a very, very desperate Browns front office. The owner, Jamie Haslam, I think he has no idea what he's doing. And the GM, uh, Dorsey, he is known to be a guy who's very power-hungry. He is going to not want to take all the criticism. He's going to try to 
dump Freddie Kitchens and have all the blame on him. I don't think Freddie Kitchens was ready for this job. I also didn't think he's he's done an absolutely terrible job. I just think the Browns have been way too overhyped. But I think there's always a scapegoat in these kind of situations, and I think Freddie Kitchens is going to be the scapegoat. Um, so I agree with you up until the point where Freddie Kitchens is the scapegoat. He's not going to be the scapegoat scapegoat because Baker Mayfield is causing a absolute storm of bad behavior. He will end up being the scapegoat. I think Freddie Kitchens retains his job because he was a first-year guy with no head coaching experience, and he did well. He did the job that they asked him to do. The Browns are going to do okay this season. Probably won't make the playoffs, but maybe they will. And I feel like he did okay. He did his job, and we're going to have to see how he does in his sophomore year. And we are going to see how he does in his sophomore year because Freddie Kitchens is staying in Cleveland. I think that the Cleveland Browns, they they didn't fire uh, Hugh Jackson early enough. They're got, not going to make the same decision with keeping out around a bad coach, and they're going to fire him. And I think that Freddie Kitchens will probably get another OC job with a different team, just not sure. All right, and a fourth take it or leave it. Um, are you taking that Baker Mayfield will be – as the Browns, are you taking Baker Mayfield for next year or are you leaving him and letting him go to free agency or trading him? Oh, you got to have him as your quarterback. I mean, the Browns have no direction in terms of, like, if they let him go, their team go, is going nowhere. You drafted him. It's the number one overall pick. You have to stick with that guy. And he's been not great, obviously, but he's shown his talent. He's shown – we know he's a talented guy. You have to let quarterbacks develop in this league. Like, there's no way you can not resign him or let him go. I'm going to have to agree. I don't think when you have a number one overall pick, unless his name is Jamarcus Russell, or you Ryan cannot. Leaf. Unless his – yes. You cannot dump him after two seasons. I mean, he did have that incredible rookie season, which, I mean, I still think it was kind of overrated. But I don't think you can dump him. I think they give him one or two more years because it's not like Mitchell Trubisky who just – he can't throw. A lot of Baker Mayfield is judgment. I think he may actually take all this criticism he's receiving and actually work in the offseason, and he might improve his game. I got to agree with you too. Just give the guy some time. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. I think – that Baker Mayfield is kind of like a more toned-down Johnny Manziel where he's not an addict or anything, but he has bad behavior on the field, bad decision-making, or bad behavior off the field, bad decision-making on the field. I really don't think you can stick with a guy. That guy's not going to propel your teams to wins. Um, You saw a couple weeks ago the Texans played the Raiders. What Deshaun Watson did is he took over and he won that game. Baker Mayfield does not take over games. He does not win games for you. In fact, I think he loses them. So I am leaving him. Let him go to waivers. I think that if you're in the draft and you have a guy available at your selection that you like, like maybe a Fromm or a Justin Herbert, if you know Tua goes top top five to the Dolphins wherever they pick, or maybe the Cincinnati Bengals, if you have one of those guys that wherever you're picking and you like them, I think you go with it. But if you don't have a guy that you really like, at wherever you're picking, you wait. Maybe take like a fifth or sixth round quarterback just for, you know, maybe he'll he'll become a Brady. And then maybe next year go with the quarterback unless he starts producing. Okay, next one is 
Will Kyle Allen remain the Panthers' starting quarterback through the entire season? I'm going to take it because I just think unless this Cam Newton injury is totally way more serious than we thought, then there is no reason why they shouldn't have played him this week after Kyle Allen got absolutely humiliated against the 49ers. I think if they were just waiting for Kyle Allen to lose a game, they would have they would have um, put Cam Newton in this week. But I think the Panthers have a good enough team that they're going to keep winning. I think that front office is smart enough to realize maybe Cam Newton isn't the answer anymore. I completely agree. I'm going to take it. Um, I think he will be their starting quarterback, not just through the season, but probably next year. Um, I I'm going to agree. And after JW talks, we do have a serious question because – after we get out of ticket or leave it, we need to ask, where does Cam Newton go? I think uh, Kyle Allen, obviously, you have to keep him at the starting quarterback. Cam Newton does literally nothing for you at starting at the QB position. He has been very bad in the last two seasons. He's not super Cam anymore. Now he's just a guy who can run around and kind of throw. And, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, he's not totally useless, but when you take away his running ability, he's just a big quarterback with a below average arm. So, and so as you mentioned, Jack, what team do you think Cam Newton will be playing for in the 2020 season? We are going to answer that question Thursday. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. Signing off for now and saying goodbye, I'm Jack Ringold.